Hey church family, hey, how are we doing today? I'm just going to assume that you're all doing great because this is an empty sanctuary and I can't see you right now. But hey, we're so, so glad you guys are here. As I mentioned earlier, today uh, we're home for the holidays, right? So uh, we're the only ones, me and Ben are the only ones in the sanctuary right now pre-recording this. You might have heard him up there in the balcony. Uh, But we're home for the holidays, meaning we're only online today. And the purpose for that was to create space, again, for our volunteers, our staff, and for you guys to just celebrate this holiday together with your families while we tune in together as a church virtually. So I really appreciate you guys leaning in and participating in that way and uh, joining us for today. Uh, Actually, right now, as this is streaming, I'm in Mississippi with my family, and right now I'm probably eating barbecue ribs and drinking sweet tea for breakfast, saying y'all and bless your heart a lot, right? Uh, So while we're actually all far away being a church together, I came up with an idea that maybe we could try out this morning, okay? I'm just going to pitch the idea. If you're comfortable with it, you can try it out. And kids, help your parents do this too. I want you guys to see if you can encourage them. If you're comfortable with this, I would love to see our church from wherever they're at. Go ahead, take a selfie of your crew and post it on our CLC family message board or on Facebook with the hashtag CLC home for the holidays. Now, I can anticipate some of you are thinking, you know, if you could speak to me right now, you'd be like, Christian, dude, It is the day after Christmas. This is the morning after Christmas. I'm not taking a selfie of myself. I believe in resurrection, but it's barely 10 o'clock, right? If that's the case for you and you're uncomfortable, that's okay. Go ahead, take a picture of maybe the tree or your cat or your coffee and post it online just to let us know that you are here. We would just love to see you guys and love to see some interaction online today since we are connecting virtually. Even if you are a Cowboys fan, go ahead, post a selfie. You can go ahead and wear your Cowboys hat. That's fine. We would just love to see you you guys this morning. Uh, But again, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in online. Today's the last Sunday of 2021, and it's been a really long year, right? Uh, It's no secret that it's been a it's been a difficult year for the church too, right? We've undergone a lot of transition, and sometimes transition can be pretty scary and uh, pretty nerve-wracking. And so with that, I just want to thank you guys for leaning in, right? For being the church, for, for, for anchoring down when things are kind of getting crazy, right? And, uh, and so we just want to thank you for leaning into that. Uh, my prayer is we kind of jump into 2022, and I think the prayer of the staff is that we would continue to be a congregation of great grace and great compassion, right? That we would be a, a congregation that is so preoccupied with the plans of God over and above our own, a congregation that can together enter the mystery, the chaos, and the confusion, and still love God and love our neighbor. And so that's my prayer for 2022 for us as a church. And so again, on behalf of the staff, I just want to thank you guys for leaning in, for being here, um, and for kind of walking through a a really long year together as a church. So uh, super grateful for that. Our plan for 2022 is about the same. It's to chart forward, to participate in what God would have for us as a church. Now, I'd be lying to you if I told you it's going to be perfect and that we'll all do everything perfectly, right? That's, that's not the case. Nothing's perfect except uh, my mom's baklava recipe. Um, but, but so long as we keep God in the center, I'm confident to say that it's going to be good. It's going to be a really awesome year. And so we invite you Lean in. Join us next week as we start the new year together and as we journey through 2022 as 
a church. Does that sound good? I, I can't actually tell because you guys are at home, but you can put it in the comments if you'd like. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate y'all letting me just kind of have that moment of uh, being candid. Uh, thanks for that. Um, so again, we wrap up 2021 together today. And with that, we wrap up the series that we've been in in the last couple of weeks called Christmas Checklist. Now, it's no secret that life is crazy busy, right? None of us are looking at January thinking everything's going to slow down after the holiday. That's usually not the case, right? It almost picks back up and it's just as busy as before. And so with this series, our hope has been to cast a vision to pull these things from the teachings of Jesus to add to our checklist. Things that we should add to our checklist, not just around the holidays, but things that we should add to our checklist of life. Things that we don't neglect when things get busy and crazy. And so we hope that over the last few weeks, you were able to add some of those things to your checklist. And so today we're actually going to wrap it up with one more item to add to that checklist, right? And again, these are items to enable us to participate in the kingdom of God today, right? Not to wait far off, not to wait till things are right, not to wait for things to slow down, because we, we, we know that that's not going to be the case. But we want to participate in the kingdom of heaven today. And so these items that we covered were to enable us to do that. And so actually, I'm going to go ahead and um, reiterate and kind of briefly recap the first three items that we covered. And the first week was that we would have, that we would add this to our checklist, expectation, right? Eager expectation that God is doing incredible things and that God is one day, there's going to be a second Christmas where God comes back to redeem and restore everything that is broken. And so live with expectation, right? The second thing that we talked about, Pastor Gary talked about, is persistence, right? Expectation almost gives birth to persistence. When I'm expecting of something, I can then live differently with that expectation. So this persistence is the ability to persist when things get crazy, right? When things get difficult, to hold on to expectation and hope and to persist through it. So we have expectation and persistence. Last week, Ben brought out his G.I. Joe dolls again uh, to talk about the third thing on the checklist, which is gifts righteousness, right? Because we're not going to do this life thing perfectly, right? We're going to fail. We're imperfect. We have things that we need to grow in. And so, in recognition of that, God invites us to accept this gift that he's given us through Jesus is righteousness. Where we, the, where, where the means of salvation, right? Righteousness. And so it's a gift. It's something that's given to us. We accept, right? And Ben talked about that last week. And we're not going to do it perfectly, so that's why we accept that. And so this last item I contend, I argue, is probably one of the most important things on our checklist in this series, right? I would argue that, uh, that this last item is almost a prerequisite of sorts to do those other three things well. And so I invite you to lean in this morning. And actually, it's very interesting because the, the population of people— that can best teach us about this fourth item that we're going to talk about today is children. Children can teach us what it looks like to do this last item well. And so today's uh, passage, which is really short, but I'll drag it out for a couple hours here, uh, is Luke 18, 15 to 17. And so this last item on our checklist that we're talking about is childlike faith. 
childlike faith. And so actually, whenever I, I, I think of these passages of Jesus, you know, engaging with the children, I can't help but think of my own childhood, right? And I'm sure and I hope that that's the same impact that these scriptures have on you, is that you think of your own childhood. You try and remember, what was it like to be a kid? What was I like when I was a kid? And I'm glad I didn't know most of you when I was a kid, because I was a weird kid, right? But I, I can't help but think back at my childhood. And actually, uh, with that, I thought, hey, let me go ahead and share some photos today of my childhood. So here's this first one of me. Uh, that's me sitting on the back deck with a big taffy and some orange juice. I was just kind of vibing and hanging out. A uh, little model shoot there. Uh, the second one is me and my triplet siblings and my dad. You know, some people get uh, upset at me because I don't tell them that I'm a triplet, but then I respond, you know, there's never a casual time to bring that up. Like naturally, oh, by the way, I'm a triplet, right? And so I figured, let me share that today in the sermon so no one is caught off guard ever again. Uh, and then this last one, here's a picture of me and my family. If you're looking for me, I'm the cute one in the photo. Uh, just kidding. I'm actually on the right side there. That's me and my family. I'm one of five. Again, a triplet. I have an older sister there in the middle and my youngest sister's to the left next to my brother there. So I'm one of five. Uh, I can actually, uh, I can't imagine my parents uh, handling that many kids. Four of us, I talked to my mom about sharing this story today, and she's like, make sure you mention that four of you were in diapers at the same time. And so four of us were in diapers at the same time, and I remember looking back at this moment where my parents came up with this really efficient way to feed their kids, okay? Because there's five of us, right? It's like a, a small army. And so I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. This is, this is so true. You can ask my family about it. When I was younger, what my parents would do is they'd corral the the five of us, right, uh, my older sister, my younger sister, my triplet siblings, into a room, and they would put baby gates on the two entrances of the room, okay? And this is just how they kind of did snack time for a while. They corral us into this room, and they put baby gates, or baby gates onto the, the, the doorways of the room, <laughs> and then they take a box of Cheerios and just dump it out on the ground. <laughs> They just dump it out on the ground. And so we're walking around in this room kind of like pecking like chickens, picking up Cheerios and just eating them, right? That was the efficient way for my mom to feed us for a while. And as a kid, as I look back on that, I don't know if I should be super offended that she did that or super impressed, right? Because that's a remarkable way to like solve a problem. And so uh, that's what happened we were, when we were younger. And I say that to say this, Jesus is teaching today a short passage about how kids who eat off the floor like chickens, kids who cry, babies who fill their diapers, the little ones who bring us so much joy, so much heartbreak, are the most prepared to inherit and enter the kingdom of heaven. That they are our best example for what it looks like to have faith and we could learn a few things from them. And so adults, I invite us to let our guards down, to lean in, to see what it is that we could learn from kids so that we can participate and experience the kingdom of heaven today. And so today, kids have something to teach us, and so we're going to lean into that. I do want to recap a little bit about where we're at in the scriptures, right? And I know we've been kind of going over this time and time again, but I'm going to reiterate it here briefly. Again, we're in Luke 18, verses 15 to 17. And let's remember, Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem here, right, where we know 
He's going to be crucified and, and die, and then he's going to rise again, right? And so uh, he's teaching about these things, and on his way, he's teaching everybody about two things, okay? The first of them being about the kingdom of heaven, about God's plan to bring heaven back to earth, about God's plan to redeem and restore everything that is broken, and God's plan to make all things right again. And so he's teaching about this. Every moment he gets, he's teaching about this. And the second thing he's teaching is, hey, hey, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. But then the second thing is, this is how you can participate in the kingdom of heaven. Not just in the future, but today. Right now, this is what it looks like to experience, to bring about, to usher in the kingdom of heaven. But there's a problem. He's teaching this, and, 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 and we've gathered this information almost every week. There's, a, there's groups of people and individuals who just don't see it. it. It doesn't click. It doesn't add up in their mind, and so therefore they don't participate, right? There, the, there's people, there, there's pride. There's obsession with the self. Some people can't help but try and live in God's kingdom, but then live in their own kingdoms, right? Their own worlds that they built that's just comfortable and what they want it to be, right? And so this problem is, is that people are prideful and they are trying to be their own kings and queens. They're trying to be their own God, running their own kingdom. And we talked about a few weeks ago, it's not possible to straddle both kingdoms, right? We're either all in or we're not in at all. And so the problem is Jesus is teaching this over and over again, and people aren't getting it. And so church, let that not be us. Let this click for us. Let's get it, right? And it's so interesting because last week, you can look at the, the sermon series on, on our Facebook and YouTube. Uh, last week, Ben talked about the pride of the Pharisees and how it pre prevented him from being able to experience the kingdom of heaven. And so here is this moment where Jesus actually provides a solution. Very naturally and fittingly, Jesus follows that previous teaching with a perfect model that we can follow, a perfect model for what it looks like to embrace and experience the kingdom of heaven. And the model is a child. If we can embrace faith in a like manner as a child, then we are far better poised to experience the kingdom of heaven. And so this brings us to the, with the scripture we're going to read today. Now, as I was preparing this, I thought I could read, uh, read these passages, but I actually had a better idea. We're going to get a chance to hear from the kids of the Christian Life Center, the students of the Christian Life Center. So they're actually going to read the scripture for us this morning, and they are going to teach us uh, with the scripture. And so we're going to start with verse 15, and this is presented by Sawyer, Denton, and Graydon. Let's check this out. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Those guys are awesome, and uh, I could learn how to have a bit more style after seeing them in that video. Uh, thank you guys for reading that. Uh, so let's jump in, right? As Sawyer, Denton, and Graydon read, the passage starts with people bringing babies to Jesus, right? And then the disciples rebuked them for bringing babies to Jesus. And so there's a couple things happening here. We're going to break it down and understand these layers real quick, right? So the first thing that we observe is people are bringing babies to Jesus. Why is that, right? We don't see people bringing babies to random people nowadays, right? A lot. I mean, maybe they do. Uh, do they, Ben? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, people are bringing babies to Jesus. And if you understand that context, it kind of sheds light on what is happening here, right? And so a theme that we see in the book of Luke, right, is Jesus does healings. 
right? And how does he do a lot of them? By the laying of hands, right? That's even a practice a lot of churches use today. We used it a couple of weeks ago and we prayed over Gary, right? Is the laying of hands uh, to, to kind of share a blessing or share healing. And so people see this Jesus guy and they're like, hey, there's something different about him. Let me bring my baby, my child to him and so that he can lay his hands and provide healing or a blessing of some kind, right? And this was actually not very abnormal in that time too because what, what happened a lot of times too is almost a custom for Jewish mothers to bring their babies, their children to the rabbi so the rabbi would bless them, right? And so this isn't totally abnormal. People uh, see this on occasion, right? And it's interesting because the passage said they were also bringing, which is probably indicative of the fact that this was happening over and over, right? This is, wasn't a one-time thing, but that moms were bringing their babies and their kids to Jesus, right? And, uh, and the passage does not explicitly say this, but I think we could accurately speculate that mothers uh, were bringing their babies forward, right? In fact, the Greek word for babies here uh, is, is a briefos. I hope I'm saying that correct. It's defined as babies born or unborn. And so I can imagine just this image of mothers coming to Jesus, maybe pregnant, right? Or carrying this child and bringing it to Jesus for a blessing, right? Just such this beautiful moment of this happening of a, of a mother and their child putting trust in Jesus. And it's just an incredible moment. But then... It's ruined by the disciples rebuking them, right? So why would the disciples rebuke them? I suspect that there's two possible reasons uh, for the disciples uh, rebuking this action, right? And the first one is that babies were not terribly important in antiquity, right? In, in Roman antiquity, babies occupied like the lowest rung uh, on the ladder of social status. And as, as we've seen in the last few weeks and months, status is a big deal for people in this time. It was an honor and shame culture. So if they could have a good status that would bolster them up, they would receive honor. And so babies did not have a lot of honor. They did not have a lot of status. They were kind of deemed maybe more of as a burden or an annoyance, right? And so they're very low on the status. And you could even include women in that, in that time. In that time, women were also deemed less than men, just like the babies were. So it's just very problematic, but that's just the reality of what's happening in this context. And in addition, and no offense to any babies watching this, uh, but babies didn't really contribute anything to the household, right? They didn't contribute anything to the family. They didn't pull their weight. In fact, babies just take, right? They take your money. They take your food. They take your time, right? And so for that reason, they were deemed of little status, right? They weren't to be um, respected in the way that other people were, which contrasts, of course, a lot of what we see today, right? And so the disciples neglected the babies and speaking as a former baby I would have been real mad right that would have been super frustrating and Jesus was really frustrated we'll get to that in a minute the second reason the second possibility for their rebuking is because of the actions of the mothers because during that time in Jewish tradition when a mother was to have a child once she had a child she would actually uh, be considered ceremonially unclean. 
And so she would have to go through some uh, systems and processes to be rendered ceremonially clean, right? In the wake of having a child, the mother would be expected to stay in isolation uh, for anywhere from six to 70 some days. It's, It's insane. In fact, you can look, you can read about some of the Levitical law around this in Leviticus 12. It had a prescribed system uh, where you could determine how long you had to stay in isolation, right? And actually part of this uh, process included bringing a lamb to the priest, right? Bringing a lamb to the priest to sacrifice it so that you could be rendered ceremonially clean. And so there's this whole system around this that mothers had to adhere to under Jewish law to be rendered ceremonially clean, right? And so if the mothers are bringing newborns to Jesus, it could be the case that they were in violation of Levitical expectations, right? And so the disciples were mad. Religious people were mad. And so interesting, if you think about it, instead of bringing a lamb to the priest, they actually brought their baby to the lamb. They brought their baby to Jesus. It's so beautiful, bold, and just courageous, right? So because of their courage and their faith, They were rebuked by the disciples, scolded and confronted until Jesus intervenes. So uh, we're actually going to read the next verse. Here is Ayla to read verse 16. Take it away, Ayla. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I think Ayla should be up here preaching the sermon because she was perfect in that delivery. Thank you so much, Ayla. I love this verse. In Mark's account, we actually find that Jesus was really displeased. Jesus was actually angry at what the disciples had done, right? Here, Jesus' response marks a significant departure from the cultural traditions of that time, right? In a culture where women and children were not valued, here Jesus is valuing them and inviting them along. He takes this opportunity, right? It's just this random occurrence that happened to teach about the kingdom of heaven, right? He's the one who's bringing up the topic. No one talked about it, and Jesus is bringing it up. And so he takes this random occurrence to teach about the kingdom of heaven, something that is wildly countercultural. He undermines the law in some ways. He undermines the culture that minimizes women and children, and he values them. Because the church and the disciples said, send them away. But Jesus said, let them come. Don't hinder them, right? Then he says this one phrase that should catch our attention, because again, the last few weeks, even months, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so what does he say? He says, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. The kingdom belongs to such as these. Remember, Jesus' goal as he's journeying to Jerusalem is to usher in this kingdom, to help his followers understand what this kingdom is like, what it's not like, and how they can participate fully, not partially, but to to be fully involved, to usher in this kingdom today, right? And so he seizes this opportunity to teach about the kingdom. And so uh, he says, he implies that the kingdom is here, right? In recent weeks, when Jesus says that, we've learned that who is, where is the kingdom? It's in the person of Jesus, right? And for those who participate, they then get to bring about the kingdom of heaven. And so when people are denying these children and these babies and these mothers access to Jesus, they are denying these little ones access to the kingdom of heaven. 
So don't hinder them, Jesus says. Rather, let them come, right? It belongs to such as these. He says the kingdom belongs to such as these. And pay attention here because the language, we see a metaphor here. Such as these. Implying that those who are like children, such as children, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Now, I don't think Jesus here, I want to be careful when we read scripture, because I think a lot of times we bring our own thoughts and put it on the page, right? I don't think Jesus here is arguing for the, the, the innocence of children, right? And we believe that this is a cultural thing where we say, yes, they are innocent. But I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here, because that would kind of contrast a lot of his other teachings, right? And some of you guys, you look at your own kids, you're like, yeah, they're, they're not innocent at all, Christian. You are on the money right there, right? But this would have contradicted his teachings in some way. So I want us to be careful before we kind of think that the scriptures are trying to get at that. But rather, I believe what he is commenting on is a characteristic that children often possess that better enables them to participate in and experience the kingdom of heaven. And for those who possess these characteristics, heaven belongs to such as them, right? And so, why does the kingdom belong to such as these? That's a pretty bold statement to say. Because what he's saying is, you know, the, the, does the kingdom not belong to anybody else, right? What is Jesus trying to get at here, right? And so, my friends, uh, Natalie, Ellie, and John are actually going to wrap up this passage with verse 17, which concludes this brief teaching. Take it away, guys. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That one is it. Thank you guys so much. I love that crew. It did look like Natalie was doing most of the legwork there, but uh, we appreciate the woodens very much. So the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, such as children. Why? Per this passage, it's because of how they receive the kingdom of God. Something makes them, something makes kids better poised to embrace the kingdom of heaven than anyone else. And that something is childlike faith. Childlike faith. In an effort to illustrate this point, I actually wanted to jump back in time here for a minute. So I actually brought uh, my first Bible. I got this Bible in September of 2000. I was six years old when I got this Bible. And so I wanted to share some ways that six-year-old Christian processed his faith in the early chapters of his faith journey. I wanted to share some ways that I, as a kid, worked through this in hopes that maybe we can better understand in some ways what it looks like for a child to process their faith. So, when reflecting on Jesus and Scripture, here were some of the notes that six-year-old me jotted in the back of this Bible. First one, don't play with rattlesnakes. Don't hit anyone on recess. Be good for Christmas. Don't play with matches, because I, I guess it says that somewhere in the Bible. Don't kill God's people. It's a great note, Christian. Good job. Try to do your best every day. Be good at a birthday party. Try to help your mom and dad. Help God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I actually misspelled holy. It says holly. So help the Holy Spirit. 
27-year-old Christian who's paid thousands of dollars for a Bible degree would be offended that six-year-old Christian whose theology is obviously a bit elementary is better poised to experience and embrace the kingdom of heaven. Childlike faith. Childlike faith is what we need, right? Childlike faith that is meek, maybe call it inexperienced, pure, curious, silly, honest, dependent, and imaginative, right? These are the ingredients in our faith that best prepares someone to experience the kingdom of God, right? These are the characteristics that are necessary that we need as a part of our faith in order to truly follow Jesus, right? Childlike faith is a faith that makes wholly embracing the kingdom of heaven possible, right? Without it, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven and think about it. I mean, think about it. That does make sense, right? Because if you think a lot of times about us adults, we almost add conditions to our faith which almost prevent us from being able to experience and participate in the kingdom of heaven, right? For example, we say, I will follow once I've thoroughly investigated the tenets of Christianity and agree. I will follow once God makes my circumstances better. I will follow, but I'm going to do it my way in my own timing. I will follow Jesus in his kingdom, but I'm actually also going to go ahead and live in my own kingdom and be my own ruler, right? I will follow, but it's actually more for my family and my kids. I will follow this, but not this. I'm going to follow this part, but I'm going to neglect that part. I will follow once I can find a perfect church. (laughs) Good luck. I will follow once I have a bit more free time in my schedule. I will follow once I have all of my stuff together. And I don't mean to make anybody feel guilty. In fact, I, I'm, I'm most guilty of these things. But I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is this. It is super hard. It is incredibly difficult to experience the kingdom of heaven when the character of our faith does not enable us to do so. Right? It is so difficult. It's just a natural byproduct of these conditions. It is a natural byproduct that we cannot ever fully experience the kingdom of heaven in the way that Jesus is calling us to because the character of our faith is lacking. The character of our faith is lacking. And then we become surprised when we don't experience what God's doing, right? We live in kind of this half-hearted way, in this conditional way, and then we're like, where are you, God? And I think God's asking us the same thing sometimes. That's right. Like, just join me. Just follow. Have childlike faith, right? But instead, Jesus identifies this, and that's why he's teaching in this moment, because the disciples themselves, by their neglecting the children and the mothers, aren't, still aren't fully getting it. And so Jesus seizes this opportunity to teach them and to teach us. He invites us to replicate the faith of a child. A faith that seldom concerns itself with these things, right? And I, I want to make light of all of those things I mentioned in the list for adults. But what I'm saying is at the end of the day, may we resolve to practice our faith more like a child than we do like an adult. A faith that is far less concerned with conditions and is far more concerned with following. A faith that says, I will follow when I have questions and don't understand. 
A faith that says, I will follow when I'm in pain and grief. I will follow and with childlike imagination will imagine a day where God will fix everything. I will follow even though the church doesn't have it all together. I will follow with great joy, playfulness, curiosity, and silliness. I will follow with total dependency on God to redeem and restore me. And I will follow and trust when it doesn't make sense to do so. Jesus is teaching us what faith looks like. And he gives us the best example for that. It's children. Showing us what it looks like to be a dependent child on a loving father. Right? He's teaching that to people who are prideful. People who want to live in both kingdoms. People who want to straddle the kingdoms, right? And so he's trying to provide clarity. This is what the kingdom is. It's here now and you can participate. It's everything you've ever wanted. And this is what it looks like to participate, right? Again, he says, truly I tell you, anyone who will, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Just naturally, they cannot enter it if their faith does not, rec- it does not reflect the characteristics of the faith of a child. So let's be honest. Like, this is foolish. <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? Like, this, this idea in a world that is so consumed with wanting answers, that we are so, we want control, right? In a, in a culture that conditions us to be in control. This looks foolish. This looks ridiculous, right? And it feels unnatural to go back to the dependency of a child. But God is inviting us and saying, this is the way. This is how we have faith. It's to be dependent like a child. And with it feeling unnatural, this is why I argue that we practice it, right? We're not going to get it perfect, and that's okay. Again, Ben talked about this gift righteousness that we experience. In fact, I'd say once we get that gift, we experience this transformation, right? But we're not going to always get it right, but this is why we practice it. With it feeling unnatural to go back into a childlike state, this is why we practice it. So we practice humility, independence, right? Full trust, without having the answers, without having clarity, complete sincerity and openness, right? We practice following Jesus without having control. I don't like that at all. I'll be very candid. I like control, but we have to practice giving that to Christ, right? If you want to learn what faith looks like, shameless plug, if you want to learn what faith looks like, we have an incredible kids ministry here. That does incredible things. And they're actually looking for people to partner with them to build these young ones up in their faith. But the cool part is, is who's to say that we also won't grow in our faith, right? Because anywhere in this church, the best model for what it looks like to have faith is in kids' zone. So I invite you to think about that, to consider that, right? And let's not overcomplicate this. I think as adults, we do that a lot, maybe out of a desire for control or whatnot, but let's be careful not to overcomplicate it because I think all of us, no matter where we're at, I think all of us knows what needs to be done in order to grow a childlike faith. So let's go do it. Let's make it happen, right? God is gonna finish the job he started and he's inviting us to participate in it right now. He's going to bring heaven to earth where he will redeem and restore and fix everything. And he invites us to do so, to in faith join along and participate both now and forever. And so may we not add childlike faith to our Christmas checklist, but may it be on the top of our checklist of life that we don't miss out on what God's inviting us to.
right? Let's keep these things on the top of our checklist each and every day, both in the holiday seasons and outside of the holiday seasons. And may we allow this faith to be the foundation upon which we build our following of Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're actually going to close with a song uh, called Light of the World, uh, which is a simple, fun uh, song to sing that recognizes what it is that God is doing in a really dark and broken world. And so at this time, I actually invite you, bring your kids along, have them sing at the top of their lungs, join them and join us in song as we sing the song together.
Church, hey, thanks for singing that song with us. Uh, as we close, I want to send you guys off with this. I want to I highlight one word from the passage that is really important, and it's receive. The work is to receive the gift, right? That is the, that is the epitome of what it means to follow Jesus, is to receive this gift of salvation that he gives us, and children model it the best. And so, because uh, where children are dependent, right? They receive. And so as children, as children of a loving God, let us just receive this gift that he is giving us. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us real quick. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you took these crazy broken moments in time and in history and brought life out of them. You brought lessons out of them. You used them to show us a better way and to invite us to experience and participate in the kingdom of heaven. We thank you so much that you're so gracious with us, that you love us, and you give us this gift of righteousness, this gift of grace, and that you're constantly pursuing us like a loving parent. So God, we pray as we go from this place, as we end this year and start a new one, that we would keep childlike faith at the top of our checklist so that we do not miss out on what you have for us. So God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey church, thanks so, so much for being here today. We're so grateful for you guys. We hope and pray you guys have a stellar rest of 2021, and we invite you to lean in and join us as we launch into this next year at the Christian Life Center 2022, and we invite you to participate in what God has for us right here. So we love you guys. We will see you very soon. Yeah.